You're listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com. Go to Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm actually going to read this, and then I'll pray. Uh, I'm going to read this wonderful passage in its entirety that we looked at last week, and I just want you to hear it from cover to cover. Uh, Again, Ephesians chapter 6, I'll be picking it up in verse 10. Apostle Paul will write this, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, church, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, church, take up the shield of faith, which which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert, church, with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I might declare boldly as I ought to speak. Now, Father, we come now and we ask that the meditations of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable to you our God and Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. All church says? Amen. So, by way of introduction, you cannot read those words and not understand that the backdrop of what Paul is talking about is that there is an unseen realm. The Bible has other terminologies for parts of this called the kingdom of God. And there are multiple kingdoms that the Bible talks about. There's actually a demonic kingdom, and it is clashing, as you would understand, with the kingdom of God. There's a kingdom of man, the carnality of man, the sinfulness of man, and that also is clashing with the kingdom of God. And so there's a number of kingdoms like that that are spoken of in the Bible as it relates to what we're calling the unseen realm. Uh, that which you don't see with all the clarity because of this part of eternity. So you cannot read. There are some that will fight against this. You can't read this part of the Bible. And I would say you can't read any part of the Bible without understanding that the Bible's teaching, whether you choose to believe it or not, is another story. But disbelieve it at your peril that there is actually an unseen realm that affects your life. In the first week of this series, I opened the, the text out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, in which the Apostle Paul is saying something very profound. He is saying that if the demonic world 
had understood what the cross was going to do, that, that we could be forgiven of our sins, that we could internally be cleansed, that we could be born again and be made new, that we could be in possession and sealed with the power of the Holy Spirit, baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that we in our humanity now as born-again beings would actually have authority over the demonic realm in the name of Christ. They would never, knowing those things, have ever allowed Jesus to get on the cross. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 7 and 8, there's a clear teaching of what Paul is saying. He's, he's pulling back the veil so you will understand that very basic principle. And then just so you can survey the Bible, here's a fun one, Second Kings chapter 6. This is Elisha in Second Kings chapter 6, just by way of reference. So Elisha, Elisha is a man anointed to, to perform incredible miracles. And so he is, he is uh, launching the the program and ministry of God against tremendous opposition. And so there's a, a king in northern Israel, a Syrian king, and he wants to take him out because Elisha's having the Holy Spirit sort of download to him what is being talked about in private quarters of military alliances. And, and the Israelites know in advance, interesting principle, know in advance of what's going on. And so the Syrian king goes, okay, that's fine. If it's Elisha, he's a dead man, and we're going to go take him out. And so the Syrian army comes around this prophet who has, in terms of walking around, he's, he doesn't look like anybody. He doesn't necessarily fit like the heroic, masculine, you know, DC comic kind of bill there. And he doesn't have a military army that he's commanding. He's a humble man. He's a man of God. He's anointed of God. And so, so now we're going to find out what that all means. And so, so Elisha actually has an attendant in that storyline of, of 2 Kings chapter 6. And so the attendant comes out and he says, the entire Syrian army is around us. This, this earthly army is completely surrounding us. And he turns by way to Elijah and says, well, well, we're dead. <laughs> I mean, we're dead. I mean, look at all those guys. And they all look really masculine. And, uh, and they, they, they all have swords and weapons. And, and, and we just, we're just in our sandals, you know, and we're, we just have cloaks and, and, and look at these guys. And so Elisha says something that you want to understand and perceive right now. He says to his servant, oh Lord, would, 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 you, would, you, would you let him see? Would you let him see? And so in that moment, in that moment, he, the veil is torn, torn back and his attendant sees that there is an angelic uh, a host completely surrounding Elisha, and Elisha has nothing to worry about. The Syrian kings and their army, they got everything to worry about. And they would not touch that man of God. That's an example of the unseen realm. It's what Christians understand when we begin to pray, and not just pray, when we begin to intercede. Did you catch what Paul said at the very beginning? So he talks, he's, he's using, and I, I went over this last week, right? A Roman soldier, everyone say yes. Okay, you understand it's a Roman soldier. He's in, he's in chains, he's looking at the soldier. God anoints his mind to write down the soldier's armor so that he can reflect on spiritual victory. And towards the end of the section here in, in Ephesians, now this is a man anointed so strongly of God as an apostle could on command command healings. You know, he could just say it and it would happen. 
And so here, though, talking about the unseen realm, he says, church, do you understand that I am praying for you, but you must also pray for me? And you would think, well, why would we pray for the Apostle Paul? This is sort of the magic man with supernatural power. This way. He goes, no, 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 you don't understand how it works. There's an unseen realm. There are these kingdoms that are clashing. The kingdom of God is clashing against the demonic realm, against the carnal realm of man, against many other realms that are against God. They are clashing. You must pray for me, he says, that I might actually have boldness, which means that he's a man and can be weak in the flesh and lack boldness, that I could, that I could actually have the, the victory of Christ. Church, will you pray for me? It's what he says to the Ephesian church. It's what your pastor says to you right now. You pray for me constantly. Jesus at his baptism, the Holy Spirit lands upon him and there's a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son, I'm whom I'm well pleased. I want you to listen to him. It's exactly what it says. The unseen realm speaking and piercing into this world. And then lastly, here by the unseen realm, just helping us to understand all the different components that the Bible is talking about here, that we might have power, that we might walk in supernatural power with God. Well, the assumption of the, what's famously known as the Lord's Prayer. Okay, if you know the Lord's Prayer, raise your hand, right? Okay, so, okay, good. They're all my Catholic friends out there, right? <laughs> and because uh, you guys, you're, I, you, you know, I, I, I said that so many times as a boy in Catholic schools. And so the Lord's Prayer. Okay, so I'm not going to say it out loud, but I want you to understand the unseen realm. Our Father, who art? Thank you. Here? No. Not in the immediacy of which we understand that. Sovereign? Yes. Our Father, you are in heaven, unseen realm. Holy, hallowed be thy. All right. So your name is in the unseen realm, rules and reigns in an immediacy. Here? No. That's why you've saved us. That's why you have actually saved us and put the Holy Spirit in us. And that's why we walk. Uh, John's Gospel in chapter 1 says that we tabernacle. Jesus was like the tabernacle walking around with the Holy Spirit. And born-again people have that tabernacle of God in them. And so now, God, you give us your name, and we tabernacle throughout the world, bringing your name so that as, as that name is in heaven, right? So our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom, thy will be. On earth as it is in heaven. Jesus giving us his prayer is saying, Church, snap out of it. There's an unseen realm. Affects your daily life, affects your finances, your relationships. It creates the demonic realm, roars against the kingdom of God, trying to break marriages, trying to break churches, trying to break your relationship with God, trying to push you down, choke you out, stomp you out every single time. There is this unseen realm. And I'm giving you the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the very philosophical, theological, biblical assumptions are there's an unseen realm warring against you. that God has determined you in Christ to have victory over. That's the great news. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. What this section is saying, put on the whole armor of God, verse 11. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness. Take up the whole armor of God and these, these elements which are given us to withstand in the evil day. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth. Here's what, here's what Paul is getting at. The unseen realm operates by rules that God has set up and he's letting us know how they work. So you want to know how these rules work? You want to know how these rules work? Okay, so here we go. Rule number one. Rule number one. The Ten Commandments and the First Commandment. So the Ten Commandments are actually given to Moses in a desert configuration where they got this immediately. I mean, I, I granted, it's, it's a little easy to look out and you go, look at that pillar of fire. That's the coolest thing ever. Oh, wow, the cloud by day, you know? Manna just falling from wherever. Uh, quail. So what, what the Ten Commandments is saying is this. Verse 1 of Exodus chapter 20. I am the only God. The word literally says, I am Yahweh, the only Elohim. So to get into Hebrew for a moment, commonly the word Elohim is a word for God. But this, this is one way God is going to say, in case you're dabbling in other gods, let me just stamp that out. I am Yahweh, the only Elohim. I am the only God. I am the only saving God. I am the only creator God. I am the only sovereign and supreme God. I'm the one who spoke. It happened. I'm the only one like that. Have no other gods. What's it say? Before me. Rule number one. I am the only God. I am, you want to take notes, Yahweh, Elohim. You can just write that as best as you can. I am that only one. Specifically, the verse says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Ever felt like you were enslaved? Enslaved maybe to sin, bad relationships, bad jobs, bad economic futures or life. Ever felt that you have been enslaved? Got good news for you. Yahweh Elohim says, I can snap you out of that. You declare me as your only God. I will take you out of Egypt. I will take you out of the house of slavery. You will experience salvation and tremendous transformation. That's why I love baptism, amongst other things. And I do actually, for this illustration, wish, see if I can do this. Well, I do wish I had a screen here. And, uh, but, but in, uh, so anyway, so we're doing baptism just what a week ago, and you know, I just just like love holding people down, like you know, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, mm! <laughs> you know, and uh, and so sometimes sometimes I'll, I'll I'll hold somebody down, their eyes open up, like wow, you really helped me down. <laughs> so in this one, we had a little boy, and uh, he kind of came between his father's legs, and he wanted to get baptized, you know, and so he's just a real little buddy, he's the sweetest kid ever, and so he's, he's wanted to get baptized. So at that moment, you're trying to figure it out, right? And so, like, you know, hey, listen, I mean, I, the heart seems very, very sincere. Uh, obviously, knowledge is very little, 
okay, so, you know, I, you know, pray for them, let them know, all right, well, we're going to, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this again at adulthood, but for right now, we're going to let this go. So we pick him up, right? He's light as a feather. His dad's right there. So now, so now we baptize him. Well, I, I realize, remember I told you, I go, hold him down, you know, so, so I'm pinching his nose real good, and his dad's there, and so he's just a little buddy, and so I push him down. Well, what the, what the picture show that I just got is that he was so light that both of his feet just went up in the air like, <laughs> like, like, like this. And, and he's just totally, but I didn't realize I had him under the water totally upside down. And his, his little feet are right there. So then he's starting to wiggle. And you could see the sequence of the, because uh, Lindsay's taking the photos. And so these photos are se- sequential. You can see that he's underwater upside down. And his feet are starting to wiggle like this, like back and forth and back and forth. And then one leg goes down and there's only one that's up like that. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, you're going to get saved. You're going to get turned up upside down. That's just what the Holy Spirit's going to do. He's going to take you. doesn't matter whether you have moral issues or not. It's the nature of being born again. He's just going to snap that and turn that all upside down for what you're going to say. Praise Jesus that he does. Rule number one, I am the only God. There are none others. I am that. I am that. You declare that, and you live by that, and you abide by that. Your sexuality is not your God. And your bank account is not your God. And your house is not your God. And your friends are not your God. And your family is not your God. He says, I am the Lord God. I am the only Yahweh Elohim, and I will take you out of Egypt. I will break all the slavery off of you. Declare me as that. Rule number one. Unseen realm must begin to obey that. Write that down. Unseen realm must begin to obey that. Rule number two. Well, it's good news again. Rule number two. Jesus has all authority in the unseen realm. Demons must obey him. Hallelujah. Very good news. It's exactly what Paul's assuming here as he talks about these things. He's not playing, he's not making light of them. You must have these defensive postures of a soldier, but you also have offensive weapons, the sword of the spirit, which was to distinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. So check that out when the scripture says, let me double check my verse here. In verse 17, excuse me, verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one means that you will experience flaming darts of the evil one. But he's saying so you can extinguish them means that they can be extinguished. They're going to come your way and you're going to have the ability to, to make them go away. So, Jesus has all authority in the unseen realm. Demons must obey him. So now I have a, a phrase that I want everyone at church, I want you to like tap this in your digital device. I want you to write this down, and I want you to memorize this phrase because this is literally true, that the application of this is for you to train your demons to obey Jesus. And maybe you've not quite heard it put that way. You train the demonic unseen realm to obey Jesus because you are obeying Jesus. So here's, here's the best way to understand this. So it's interesting uh, just having lived through a few seasons of life, and I have, I have 
I have more than one friend that's like this. I really have more than one friend that's like this. So anyway, they've done very well financially and professionally, and so they want a dog. So everyone's very interested in how they go get a dog. Um, you know, you can go get a rescue dog, and the Soto family has tried that. And you can go to a breeder, and you go to many other people to get a dog. It's just, it's a dog, right? Okay, my friends that I'm referencing here have, have actually spent uh, about what a new car would be, even a Tesla, on a new dog because it's a guard dog. They're getting German Shepherds, and, uh, and it's going to be a professional guard dog. These are the coolest dogs ever, and I'm a guard. I love dogs, and I love these dogs, and they're incredible. So it's fascinating my friends are going to spend a lot of money on these dogs. And so you would think that when you're spending, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, thousand dollars on a dog that you go to the breeder and you say, hey, can I have a dog? What is the breeder going to say? I'll give you the dog. No, that's not what happens here. That's not what happens here. So what the breeder says is, okay, great. Um, You'll get your dog when I tell you. First year, I spent countless time with you training you as the owner of this dog, you're not going to get this dog until I am confident that you have been transformed and changed. I'm going to give you something that is like a weapon. It's all cuddly, but it's trained. It is trained as a weapon. And so you will get this dog when I have spent at least a year training you, changing all of your responses, changing all of your orientation, changing you. Once I know that you are actually trained, I'll give you a dog. That's a reflection of the unseen realm. The name of Jesus will make the demonic world go away but you have to go through a training to understand. And really, part of your training is very simple. Let me just give you a simple exercise. Okay, this goes back to childhood. I'm sure, I'm sure everyone here was just the most wonderful, wonderful child of your parents. I'm sure you obeyed your parents the whole time. I'm sure they asked you the first time to clean up your room and you did it. I'm sure they asked you the first time to take the trash out and you did it, right? But many, many children say to their moms and dads, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. That's what you say to the demonic realm. I no longer listen to you. I listen to obey Jesus Christ. I no longer listen to your lies about who I am. I no longer listen to your lies about my past life. I no longer listen to your lies about what's going on with me today. I no longer let you slander me to my own heart and soul and mind. I no longer listen to you, the unseen realm, tell me how to do my business. I listen to Jesus Christ. Jesus has all authority in the unseen realm, and demons must obey them. Training to hear the voice of the Lord, training yourself to hear Scripture, training yourself to worship, all of those things break the back of the unseen demonic world. 
That's why worship is so important. That's why, you know, definitely, uh, you know, go wherever you need to go and put some songs on this and sing out loud or whatever. But you must gather together as a church corporately because that is part of our calling. And in our calling, when we come to minister to the Lord and worship, we're not listening to music. We're worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're coming together to minister to him together. There is actually supernatural power there that is not found in other places. Train yourself to worship. Train yourself to live with full surrender and total conviction. Apostle Paul here is speaking uh, about these darts of the evil one. He mentions, he mentions, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and then praying all times in the Spirit. Rule number three, rule number three, is demons have power to the degree that you give it to them. Now, this is where things get usually very interesting. All right, so you want to be careful with this one. You don't, you, you never use this information and this teaching as an accusation towards a friend. You know what your problem is. You have been giving, right? That can be used in the wrong sense. That can be used to shame. And we don't want to use it that way, but it's true. Demons do not have power over you. The Bible clearly says that we in heaven actually judge angels. And Christ in us means that Christ will actually break the back of the demonic realm. However, we can actually give in certain ways uh, empowering demons. We can do it through sin. We can do it through our bodies sinning. Uh, we can do it through rebellion. Uh, we can do it through unbelief. Uh, but but we, we have to understand that this demonic realm, for those of us who are saved, there's a qualification for you, church. For those of us who are saved, for those of us who are full of the Holy Spirit, they actually only have power over you to the degree that you give it to them. And there's a wisdom principle with that. I'll get to this in a moment, but let me give you a teaching from Matthew chapter 7 related to Jesus that I want to kind of help you to, to understand how these things, their back gets broken. So in Matthew 17, this is, the, this is uh, Caesarea Philippi. So there's Caesarea in ancient Israel that's right on the beach. Caesarea Philippi is actually at the base of Mount Hermon. Or if you want to be really cool and say it the way our Jews do it, you know, our Hebrew friends, you know, Mount Hermon, right? That's how they say it over in Israel this day, you know. So you go, oh, Mount Hermon. Oh, no, Mount Hermon. It sounds really prettier that way. So Jesus is there, and he's there with his disciples. And, and what's going on here is that there's a, there's a large cave, and it, and it basically, you know what a geyser of water is? It's just coming up like this. It's a large, large body of water. This is a large body of water, but it's coming out lateral. It's not going out vertical, and it's just pouring out and pouring out and pouring out violently, constantly. I mean, this water is just gushing out, and it's doing what you would imagine. It's creating rivers. And uh, it's created a wonderful farmlands and ecosystem. And so at the base of that is all this demonic activity. There's a god named Pan who's being worshipped. explain that in a moment. And so there, with all these people who are worshipping, they're, they're dancing. Uh, they're doing things which I will not mention in mixed company. Uh, and they're worshipping they're worshiping Satan. So there Jesus comes and he says, who do you guys say that I am? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
That's what Peter says. That's what they say. He goes, great. Now that you've got that, we're all going to go for a walk. And he takes Peter, James, and John. Now listen, we, we wonder where this is at. I have this actually now at Mount Hermon, and this is why. There was a teaching it's actually outside the Bible, but it doesn't matter how true it is. It's what these people believe. The belief was that God had actually kicked some demons out of heaven. They landed at Mount Hermon, and they came to the base of that mountain, and that became a place of demonic activity where they were actually worshiping the god Pan. All of our, all of our modern day, no, actually not even modern days, ancient ways of like uh, understanding what Satan might look like, you know, like the pitchfork stereotypically, or the pointy ears, or the horns, or the long tail. All of that's pan. All of that comes from this sort of, you know, tribal understanding. And so they're there worshiping Satan at the, at the base of that. Whether demons were literally kicked out of heaven or not, it doesn't matter. I'll complete the story for just a moment. It's what these people thought. Jesus takes them there in front of all of his lies, says, who do you think say that I am? You're the Lord, the living Christ. Great. He goes, we're going to go for a walk. He takes them all the way up the mountain. Now that's where things get interesting. It's called, it's called the Mount of Transfiguration. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the unseen realm, if you know your Bible, who shows up? A guy by the name of Moses, right? And Elijah. All right, so if you know your Bible, those are two people to recognize. And they're powerful. Jesus is going to have a conversation there. Peter being Peter, God bless him. He just can't help but put his foot in his mouth, right? And so, so he's, he, he wants to do something, and it's, it's all very silly, okay? So, so now, now they're there, Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus transfigured. Now they see parts of the unseen realm, the apostles do, they understand that. So then Jesus comes down, there's a guy who needs some healing, uh, the apostles, the disciples can't heal him. Jesus says sometimes he's required prayer, sometimes fasting, he takes care of business, he moves on. Okay, now this is where it gets really fascinating. How many of you have been to Israel in, 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 your, in your life? How many people have been there? Okay, so good. All right, so if you've gone there, you realize you've gone to Caesarea Philippi, and there's no water coming out of the cave. I mean, it's just the smallest trickle, right? It doesn't, it doesn't look like the massive geyser going out of the cave that we understand it to once be. <clears throat> All right? Who, was worship, who were they worshiping at the base? Right? Pan, Satan, right? Jesus goes up. He takes all authority, Moses and Elijah with him. Here's what we know from history right after Jesus. It'll, sometime later, when Jesus leaves that place, takes authority over that physical realm. Do you know what happens? There's an underground earthquake. And the rocks are configured. And that geyser spewing out where they were worshiping Satan because Jesus came and took all authority over that realm. An earthquake goes beneath it, shuts off the water. And all the demonic worshipers go away. Which is why when you go there and you look at it and you go, well, this isn't a big deal. You've got to actually put the history in and understand that when Jesus shows up, he's taken authority. That when Jesus shows up, he's going to be removing the demonic powers. That when Jesus shows up, even over geography, he's going to take that authority over, over, and over, and he's going to shift things so that he receives glory so that his people are freed up. Demons have power to the degree to which you give it to them. Let's talk about wisdom very quickly, and let me hustle through this. You want to be wise. So church, you know, write that down. You want to be wise. Uh, too many of my Christian friends and 
sometimes even in my church, like we have demonic issues and then it gets worse because we, we weren't smart. We weren't wise. And so uh, and you got to learn. So uh, I, personally, it seems like the, the evil one historically in my life would sometimes work every car that I drove. You know, it just was one of those things. It was just, you know, like, what is this all about? And so last week, I'm, last week I'm on a trip down to San Diego, and uh, in my big truck, the, uh, the fuel pump goes out, right? It's a GM, so you know the fuel pump's going to go out, right? Okay, so, so, I, so, so what, what, I, I know this, so I'm prepared, right? Okay, so I have AAA, I have the extended 200 miles thing. Right, I have an emergency fund, been saving up over time, right? Because there's always going to be an emergency. You want to be wise, you want to save up a little bit. I have a professional account with a rental car company. Okay, so I just do all of that. AAA picks me up, takes me to a reputable shop that's going to get fixed. It's all a bummer. It's going to cost a little bit of money, but but been, been making sure that we're saving for that. I get my rental car, which is going to cost me about 100 bucks, and then I'm on my way. I show him, I pick up my son who I'm picking up from college. He says, Dad, I'm so sorry that all of this happened. I said, are you kidding me? I feel like a man. All of my emergency systems worked. All right, they all worked. That's why you have them. I'm so tired of devil beating me up time and time again. It's like, no, man, Satan, you can go away. I'm with Christ, and I'm, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to actually worship in the truck. I know you're going to take care of this. I have all of these things through wisdom taken, taken part. Sometimes we're not smart and wise. Demons have a power to the degree that you give them, give it to them. Okay, rule number four. Demons must obey the saved. Demons must obey the saved. In Jesus and the temptation account, he says, be gone, People ask me all the time, they say, well, well, what should we say? What should we say? If you don't know what to pray and you feel some sort of opposition in spiritual life, just say, if there's a demon there, in Jesus' name, be gone. And say it a second time. Walk around and say it. Like just That's all you really have to say. If there is anything de- demonic here. And so in my situation, you know, with the car side of the road and all of that, it's like, I am not going to be discouraged. Discouragement, any spirit, power, principality trying to discourage me right now, go away. You have no authority here. I'm going to rejoice. Everything's going to be just fine. Demons must obey the saved. Rule number five, grace is a nuclear bomb in the unseen world. Grace is because there's no grace otherwise. And so grace is like this nuclear bomb. So you think about yourself. And, uh, you know, I'm sure nice church, great people. I've said, how many of you guys have sinned in the past, right? Everyone's going to raise your hand, right? You're going to be transparent that way, right? You're gonna, you know, who's the sinners here? Who's sinning? We're all going to raise our hand because we've all had that. How'd you get saved? You got saved through Grace. What great thing did you do to merit God's favor? What, what, what singular event, you know, what, what part of like moral perfection did you ever, ever possess by which God would save you? Church, the answer is none. So you get saved and God himself through the power of the Holy Spirit says, I'm gonna enter your life, seal your life, baptize your life and direct your life and bless your life, and we're only getting started. And all of that is by grace. So we journey sometimes in life, and then we stumble and fall, or we watch other people stumble and fall. You want to watch demons flee? 
Say it's your hurting friend. Say it's your person that you're praying for. Say it's your loved ones. I'm going to release God's love and grace and these demons. Their back is going to be broken because they can't stand the smell or taste of it. God's grace belongs uniquely to him. It belongs uniquely to the church and to God's people. So these are the things of the unseen realm. And they're just the beginning of that. They're just the beginning of that. I have a lot more notes, but I'm going to whine for home and say these. The unseen demonic realm uses wounds and pain against you. That's why we're partly having this conversation. Uses pain. You ever suffered? I'm sure you have. Ever lost someone that you love dearly? Happens to all of us. Ever had a tremendous setback or moral failure? Can get all of us. He uses wounds and pain against you. He wants you to listen to him. I'm speaking about Satan and think poorly of Christ in Scripture. The demonic realm likes you going to church and doing nothing about it. The demonic realm supports apathy, depression, and all forms of sadness. He hates it when you listen to Christ. However, the demonic realm and Satan himself has to play by God's rules. And so you win. Give your life to Christ. God wants to have all of you so you can have all of him. That's the lordship of Jesus Christ. He wants to have all of you so you can have all of him. So don't be a fool, because many, many are. Jesus is the mighty God, strong enough to save, and he loves you no matter what. That is our Savior. For him, we call upon the name of the Lord. All right, let's pray together, church. Let's pray. We ask my prayer team to come forward. Father, we pray now at this moment that you would rescue and save your church from every affliction, from every sorrow, that you would grant us your grace upon grace, that you let us minister in your spirit now, that you let us love one another, that you would set captives free, that we would be liberated, Lord God, and in tune and in touch all things that belong to you. Come now, God. Save us. Thanks for listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com.